0: Amen. So, okay, we have been in a series. My name is Jose. We've been looking for three weeks now. This is the fourth week on an idea called turning points. There are turning points in everyone's life. Often you see it in the rearview mirror. You realize, wow, that was a big decision. But we want to learn from the Bible how to make everyday decisions in light of following Jesus. And so what we've done is we've tried to look at a few areas in the Bible where there are periods of change. I'm gonna throw up three that we looked at already. This is really review. We looked at Moses to Joshua, and we were reminded ourselves: remember God's word. God gave his word, which is himself, his way, his thoughts, his commands. So that we could live in a right relationship with him and one another. Don't forget the book. We looked at Joshua to the period of the judges, and we realized it started well and then it went into decline. And in the same way, if you're not careful, friend, your life could go into decline. Just because you followed Jesus for 10 years doesn't mean the next decade is going to be upward, upward, upward. No, we need to be careful. What? We repent. Repentance is a change of mind when I realize God's right, and I've been wrong in the way I think, feel, live, I turn back to God. That's repentance. God, I'm coming back to you, and I I hope that we make that not a momentary thing, like once a year, I'll repent. But day by day, we turn back to God, and when God's people turned to him, he came and rescued them, and the same could be said for us. And then we looked last week at the judges to the kings, and we remembered that sometimes we ask for things with a wrong motive, and whenever you're making a big decision or a small decision in life, we're called by, as God's people to check our motives. Why do you do what you do? Why are you asking for that? What's going on the inside? And we want to be careful what we ask for, because you could ask for something that sounds good, but with the wrong motive. Find your place. In a, in a spot that you never intended to be. Okay, those were three. We're going to look at one more turning point today. And we've been looking historically. That was Moses and the Joshua and the judges and to the kings. And now we're going to look to the end of the kings, and they go into exile because they disobey and they're brought back to the land. And and then comes Jesus. We're going to turn to Jesus today, and we're doing it for two reasons. One, Jesus is the center of everything. But also, next week's conversation is about God's empowering presence, the Holy Spirit, who Jesus promised, promised would be the key to us following his way. That that the Spirit's coming is better. It's better if I go, says Jesus, quote unquote. It's better if I go. Because when the Spirit comes, you have no idea how God's presence is going to revolutionize your life. That's next week. But let's look at this turning point, because in the life of Jesus, he does something that ought to impact the way we think and feel. All right, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and? Great. And all four of them have the account of the life of Jesus written to different types of people, so they include things that make sense, like Matthew's a Jew, he writes quoting the Bible, the Old Testament more, because they know the Bible really well. You have Mark and Luke and John, they're writing to different audiences for different reasons, but they all tell the, the life of Jesus. In all four, you see something happen early in all four Gospels that I want us to see because it's the turning point to you and I living as Jesus' people today. Early in Jesus' public life, uh, it's until about 30-ish, you don't know much. He's born. You get a glimpse of him. He goes to the temple, and he says, I have to be in my father's house. His parents don't understand it. He grows in wisdom stature, in favor with God and men, we know that. Then blip, gone. You don't see anything about Jesus. But when he announces his teaching and his way, what does he do in all, all four Gospels? Early on, he calls disciples to follow him. And I don't want you to miss that turning point. Early on, the way Jesus is going to transform the world begins by him calling a few people to come and be and become his disciples. I'll read from Matthew's gospel, but you could read it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew's gospel, chapter 4, and we'll look at verse uh, 18. As Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and, and another brother, Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets. And followed him. I could keep going because he invites a couple more people in the next few verses. And I could keep going in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. And he calls more and more disciples. Right after Matthew tells us Jesus' message, repent for the kingdom of God has come. Jesus' message was turn back to God. Because what God planned to do is now going to be fulfilled in me, says Jesus. He says it in words that they don't get. But by the end they know it's crystal clear. The world is about to be changed because of the coming of Jesus, and we need to remember that, and because the message is clear, turn back to God. God's inviting you close. He invites disciples to follow him. Now, the little phrase there that's helpful, they were fishermen, right, and he says, I'm going to send you out to fish for people. Early on in Jesus calling disciples to himself, he lets them know where this is going, and Because we're reading it thousands of years later, we know what they didn't know. He was actually going to use them. Like, they don't really know it. They're just mesmerized by Jesus' teaching, by his power, by the purity of his life. But he tells them, in the future, I'm actually going to, you have a great vocation, you're a fisherman, you provide for your family, you provide for the town, you provide for the well-being of your village. Your job matters but I'm going to do something in you that whether you continue to fish or not, in their case, whether you stay in that village or not, in their case, they would end up traveling as Jesus rises again and sends about. The primary motivation of your life is not going to be your job. It's going to be people. Your primary mission in life is going to be to share God's love with people. In whatever avenue you use, you're going from just you know, life, family, career, all those things that matter. They matter. They matter to God. They're valuable. Your primary thing is going to be in my name, you're going to love people. And so, what does he do? Again, this is all review. If you know the Bible, he says, Come with me, and then he eats with them, and he sleeps by them, and he travels with them, and they listen to him teach, and he answers their questions, and they spend time with this master. And often he pulls them away from the crowds and teaches them the truths so that the crowds aren't ready to listen to yet. He corrects them. Sometimes they do things that are out of line with God's way. And he says, whoa, come, come back. Hey, hey, these disciples were like healing in your name. Should we like, should we zap them? <laughs> like literally. Should we take them out? They're like unauthorized. Like, no, 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 calm down. They're, like, they're not against me. They're for me. They're like they're doing my work. They, they don't always get it right, but they have the right person to go to. And so these disciples spent about three years with Jesus, Peter and Andrew and others. And uh, three things, this is super review. This is not the turning point yet. This is all a preview before you go to Trader Joe's and get your dark chocolate peanut butter, peanut butter cups. Uh, what are Three things we see about disciples that are super based, but they're important to understand today's turning point. I'll put them on the screen. Disciples are three things with Jesus. Uh, In other words, he invites them to actually live with him. They become like Jesus. That is, their life over those three years have a marked change. They're not the same because of their time with Jesus. It's not like they changed. It's No, Jesus began to change them. And his influence began to take over, and they started to talk and say the words of Jesus. They became like him. And and we need to do what Jesus did. Disciples in the early first century, the whole idea of having disciples, these would be three elements, whether you were Christian, quote unquote, or not. If you were to gather followers, the goal was you'd be with them, become like them, and then do what they did. So with Jesus, we learn from him. And the reason that uh, community groups for us are not just an add-on thing like, hey, man, if if you want to do this, why don't you do this? It's the center of our church, because this is part A where we hear about Jesus' teaching. We hear the word of God. But how do I process it to become like Jesus and obey it? it? doesn't happen one-way communication. It's two-way communication. And in our community groups, we do this on purpose. For eight weeks in a row, take a break for Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then get back eight weeks in a row, take a break for spring break. And then around Easter, eight weeks in a row, then take break for summer. The reason we're in this rhythm is because the disciples were in this rhythm. They were with a few people and Jesus. And in the same way, if we're actually going to represent Jesus on this earth, if we're gonna be with him, grow in our own personal walk with God, if we're gonna become like him, which is, as I hear from him, I begin to turn his way, I repent, I turn, I learn, and I ask for God's help to live it out, and then, and then do what Jesus did. If Jesus says to do something, like we we're hearing this morning, what's, what am I supposed to do? Repent and be baptized. Jesus is baptized in water, not because he sinned and needed repentance, but to show us the way. It begins with a turn, a change. And for them, uh, re- repentance led to water baptism, a cleaning, a washing away of the old, and a commitment to God in the new. And if you've not yet been baptized, you're just invited, like Stephen was saying, right at the end of our gathering, we're going to say, come right here, talk with one of our leaders. And you say, well, I've been, oh, I'm embarrassed. I've been, I've been a Christian for 32 years, and I haven't been water baptized. Hey, this is a great day to say, you know what? I'm with Jesus. I'm becoming like him. I'm going to do what he did. I'm going to, I'm going to do what Jesus did. Well, I'm a little embarrassed. Jesus is God, and he gets in the water. He gets in the water. He submits his life to the Father. It's for the benefit of the people around him. And so we encourage you, whether it's small steps or big ones, we want to be with Jesus and become like Jesus and then, and then do what he did. Or right, I'm going to fast forward. All this is review. I'm getting to a point eventually. But this is, this is important because what we're doing is we're trying to set ourselves up to grow as a church to be with Jesus. How do I actually grow in that? I want to move from being just with him and like reading the Bible and praying and singing songs. I want to become like him. That's where many of us get stuck. You can come to gatherings, you go to meetings, but you look at your life and you're like, okay, how come it's not clicking? How come I'm still very much unlike Jesus and don't seem to be making progress? We want to push ourselves. and then And ultimately, we want to be doing what Jesus did. It's not just about growth for growth's sake. It's about growth and transformation for the sake of the world. Jesus came to seek and rescue those who are far from God. And so Jesus' people have always been the people for 2,000 plus years who've been looking, not waiting for people to come to us, looking because Jesus leaves glory and puts the glory in a body and limits himself for us. So we want to become like him and say, I could do all sorts of things with my life. But the greatest thing that I could do in my career as a homemaker, as a student, is to do what Jesus did, to find people far from God and welcome them close. Why, why are we living this way? Well, I'll, I'll just stay with Matthew, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John gave us the same thing. At the end of Jesus' life, first he's with them to become like him. But then he calls him to do what he did, Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Again, all this is review. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. This is after the resurrection. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make followers. Disciple is follower or apprentice. Disciple sounds churchy. So I'll just say follower. I'm saying literally the same thing. To make followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them. There's another one. Do you see the trend here? So the, the first marker of go is, to, and, and, and baptism does not rescue anyone from your past or your sin No, it is the marker that you have been rescued. I put my faith in Jesus. And so baptizing them in the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. But baptism is not the end. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's called the great commission or the great assignment for the church. And, And so this is bookends. Jesus has a mission, which is to seek, rescue those who are lost. And here's the crazy thing. Jesus does not do it by himself. From the beginning, he grabs these ordinary people and says, come be with me. Learn from me. Begin to think and talk and live like me. And then even before he sends them out after the resurrection, you know if you've read the Gospels, that while he's alive, he sends them out two by two and says, you just go do what I've been doing. You see someone sick, pray for them. They're going to be well. If someone's been oppressed by powers that are demonic, no problem. Cast them out. Have you found yourself casting out demons this week? Has it, has it been a good demon casting out week for you? So we are like, what? Well, well, what Jesus was doing, that's what he told his followers to do. And oh, by the way, just say it in my name. Like, I've got the authority. You have no power apart from me. But in my name, when you represent me, I'm there. And I'm with you. And so, so Jesus sends them out. Now here's a nuanced difference that if you read the early Matthew and then you read the end of Matthew that you may not pick up. While Jesus was alive, he limited himself to the geography of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. He was, he was in the, what we would call the Holy Land. He didn't really venture out. He never went out to Rome. He didn't go out to Ephesus. He, he contained himself. But now that he's risen and the work's been done, he says go to all nations, go Everywhere, So Jesus himself did not travel to the ends of the earth, but now he says to his followers, okay, we were here, now let's get the movement all around the world, and church history has recorded that that's what's happened. So as a church, you're gonna hear, if this is your church family, this is where you call home, this is where you're growing, that a lot of our energy is, is beyond just our physical space. We care about Hillsborough and Beaverton and Banks and Forest Grove or wherever you're from, this matters, but this isn't the only space. Because making followers of Jesus everywhere, that's our space. And so we're involved in all of that. And the how is really clear, right? First, give them the message of good news and invite them to follow me. And so what's the good news? God created us to be with him. That's, why, that's how he made us. But it's our sin, our rebellion, that separates us from this holy and perfect God, Right? And sin, you're not going to get rid of it by just trying harder or, or doing better or paying or, or, or volunteering. No. Sin can't be removed by trying to make up for past mistakes. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. He did the heavy lifting. He paid our sin in full on the cross so that everyone who trusts in Him alone will have eternal life. What's eternal life? It means life with God now and life with God for forever. I just gave you the good news in less than two minutes. That's the good news. Now, That's news that needs to be received and acted on. So he told his followers, make disciples. Don't just give them the news, invite them in. And so you're invited. If you feel like you're far from God, you're invited. If you feel like you don't have all the questions answered, no problem. Here's my recommendation to people say, well, I still have these questions. Start following Jesus with what you know and tell him, hey, will you help me figure this out? Some people want all their questions answered. The problem with that is you'll never have all your questions answered. But if you act on what you know, he is the perfect one who died and rose again to make you alive to God. If you act on that and say, Jesus, I'm going to go with that. Will you remove my sin? Make me right. And, and, and I want to learn from you. Show me. You know what? He's, he's going to do it. Uh, so that's the good news. But well, we need to act on it. Baptizing and then teaching and then sending. So Disciples, let's see if we remembered any of that. First, the first thing about the disciples, they are what? With Jesus, okay? Some of you took a note. Some of you didn't. It's time to take a note. Disciples are with Jesus. Disciples become? Okay, good. Some of you wrote that down. The third one, disciples, do what Jesus did. We just mapped out in a few minutes. But what's, you say? I thought this was the turning point, not the biblical review series. What's the turning point? Write this down now. Any disciple to Jesus can be used in any way Jesus desires. This is the turning point in the Bible. And it's so easy to miss. Any disciple to Jesus can be used in any way that Jesus desires. If you read the first part of the Bible, what we call the Old Testament, the primary leaders in God's people, the prophets, the priests, the kings, were a small group of people. The prophets, God had to call you as a prophet. The priests and the kings, you had to be born into a family line. Like if your family heritage didn't trace back, you're not qualified to be the king, you're not qualified to be the priest, and of course, God used everyone in some way. But the primary leaders in the movement were a small group that was very limited by your pedigree, by your background, by your particular calling. But now... This is radical. Anyone can become a disciple. Like anyone can follow Jesus. And any disciple to Jesus can be used in any way that Jesus desires. And and some of us know this to be true, but we need to relearn it in the real world. That means in their day, Uh, Peter and Andrew are fishermen. James and John are fishermen. You have Simon, who's like a zealot, a political activist. You have Matthew, who's a tax collector. Jesus does not choose in their day what would be the cream of the crop or the most qualified. Who would you want? You'd want the Sanhedrin, the 70 elders, the 70 leaders who are their political leaders and their spiritual leaders. You'd want the high priest on your team. You would pick the A squad. And Jesus picks the seemingly B, C, D squad. But he does this, hear me, not because he didn't have any clout. Or or like, man, I can't find anyone good. He he does it to prove to the world any disciple to Jesus can do anything that Jesus wants. And this life lesson has to be reimagined in our day. And so as his disciples, his his followers, you do not need a title to be useful to Jesus. You do not need a huge pedigree of accomplishment and degrees and this, that, and the other. Hey, I have them. If it helps, great. If it gets your learning sharper, great. You don't need those things. What you need is to become an actual disciple. And if you are with Jesus and you over time become like Jesus, then you will do what Jesus is doing. And it's already happening in so many of your lives, but some you just don't see it because it's not wow. You're like, I'm doing some stuff, but let me tell you, this is wow. A card written thoughtfully to say thank you is wow. That's doing what Jesus did. And we know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know this is wow. And it's not that expensive. Trader Joe's is actually quite reasonable. But, but, but any cup of cold water given in his name is done as unto Jesus. See, we have to take this apprenticeship, this followership, this walking with Jesus, and bring it into everyday life. And remember, we are now the people that God wants to use. Anyone could be used. So where are we headed? Uh, let's, let's apply this. And I'm assuming for a moment, if you're watching online, maybe you're a part of our church, maybe you're just tuning in. If you're here, maybe you're just checking it out or visiting. But now I want to speak to those uh, who are, th- this is your home. And as we move into the fall and we, and we start our series on the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you the end goal is that you're awakened that if you're with Jesus and becoming like Jesus, you will be empowered to do what Jesus does. That's the end. But I want you to know about the person of the Holy Spirit because Jesus seems to say he is the secret to you actually knowing Jesus. How am I going to grow in being with Jesus? By the way, Jesus is not here. He ascended. Jesus, won't you be with me? I'm with the Father seated on the right hand. I'm coming again. Now, I'm not trying to confuse like, I thought Jesus was with me every day. Yes, in that he has sent the Holy Spirit, his very spirit, to be with you. So I'm like, mind blow. Next week, don't worry, come back. Okay? But we want to look and see the resources that Jesus provided for us. Some just because we haven't thought about the resources Jesus provided. We feel limited when we should feel limitless. Here's where we're headed as a church. Um, I'm going to give you our vision and our mission and invite you to take your next step in following. Our vision from day one has been helping people experience life in Jesus. And we say it often in various ways, but we're about helping people. Why? Jesus told Peter and Andrew, you have been fishermen, but now I'm going to send you to fish for people. We're about serving people. And the great thing about God is he spread you out all over the area. I know where all of you live, not like exactly, but I know the spread of how many people in Beaverton, Hillsborough, we're all over the place on purpose. Why? God planted us around people on purpose. And it's not to build a Christian clique. It's to be with people and help them know that they're loved by God. So we want to help people experience life. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And it's in Jesus. We're not just good people. There's lots of good people out there, but our Our goodness is the overflow of the person that we know. And so we want to lovingly, humbly, in Jesus' name, do good deeds. Because why? Jesus sent us out into the world to do what he was doing. So he sees someone who's lame and healing comes. People are hungry on the mountainside and he feeds them. He touches the people no one will touch. He puts a hand on them think he hugs them he's not afraid of brokenness he's acquainted with suffering he's there in the real world and that's what i love about reading the bible you see that god really is with us and in jesus we see it most fully and so we want to as a community We want to go the extra mile in helping people experience the life. We don't want to be selfish with our faith. It's great that you love Jesus. It's great that you follow Jesus. It's great that you're growing in grace and learning to become more like Jesus. But the evidence that you're really one of his disciples is something will be stirring in your heart to do what he did. To take risks. For some it's easier, for others it's harder, but to take risks to love people in his name because that seems to be what Jesus does. So how do we do that as a church? Here's where we're going. Not new, but sometimes we need to hear it and many of you are newer to our community. If you miss Basics, welcome to Basics 2.0. I'm giving it to you. This is what we teach in our Basics class. Our mission is together we learn to follow Jesus, love one another, and share the good news which is basically a fancy way of saying what I said before. A disciple is what? With Jesus. A disciple becomes like Jesus, and the disciple does what Jesus did. So the operative word here is together. What we're going to do as a community is fight the temptation to say it's me and Jesus, and it's about my growth, and it's about me, it's about me, it's about me. We we operate as a community of communities, In that most of our church right now is in a community group because that's where we begin to wrestle with, how am I doing at being with Jesus? Is it actually happening? I'll give you a secret. I'm going to let you off the hook. The majority of people do not read the Bible at all. Zero. Not a go trip at all. You say, well, I I wanted to read the Bible this week. Actually... When did I read it last? You're not alone. You're not alone. Um, even though we have it on apps, even though you can listen to it, even though you have every translation that's possible or made up, I'm sure it's in Klingon. Uh, but but, but uh, we do not regularly, on the whole, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm, I'm calling out what's really happening. We are not as Bible people as we think we are. We own Bibles. So, how do I be with Jesus apart from knowing the Scriptures? What do you know about Jesus outside of the Scriptures? Very little. We have the early church fathers. We have outside sources with little quotes. Little list. I'm going to say 95% of what's written in all of the world about Jesus comes from the Bible is the primary source. And then others are quoting the Bible. Most of what we know about Jesus is from the Scriptures. So, how can I be with Jesus? How can I become like Him? And then, how am I going to feel empowered? Rather than guilt tripped I have no intention. We have no intention of throwing guilt trips. You should be doing more. You're like, I want to do less! Help me to do less! Well, the secret to doing less is get rid of unnecessary things and do the most important thing. And the most important thing is to be with Jesus. So we do this in group life because it's easy for you to nod and shake and raise your hand and say, man, life is great. You could do this in this crowd. You may get a peanut butter cup. But if you're with 10 other people in the living room week after week, the question is going to come up, what are you learning from the Bible? And you can't hide so what we want to do is put ourselves like Jesus, the master who has a few. He has 12, he has 70. He has a lot because there are hundreds who follow from a distance. But even Jesus narrowed it down to three and really spent a lot with them, and a lot of time with the 12, and a decent amount of time with the 70 because even Jesus knows human nature. Oh, by the way, created it. He knows that we're better with a few people doing life shaping, and being useful to build one and other up. So how, how do we grow? All right, three things that we focus on as a church. We learn to follow Jesus, which means we talk about the Bible a lot. The scriptures are the source of strength for us. And so if every Sunday is Bible, and the community groups are not just talks about life or books or whatever. It's about what you heard, because you didn't really hear it till you started to talk about it. And you really haven't done anything about it till you've talked about it and put it into action, right? And this happens best in group. We wanna to learn to love one another. How do we love God? Well, Jesus said the two greatest commandments are like this, love God with everything. And what? what's second? It's like it. What is it? So we don't read our Bible. Love your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. To love God fully and truly is to realize that God made everyone. And now, out of God's abundant love, I'm going to love other people. How is the world going to know that we're Jesus' followers? What's Jesus' statement on that? By your love for one another. So we're not making up like a mission of like, hey, what would sound cute and rhyme? No, we don't care. We want to we learn to follow Jesus together and we want you to grow And we're pushing towards it. We want to learn to love one another. And this happens, again, best when we talk about it. Our community group um, leader, which I don't lead our group, asked a great question of our group. What are we going to do to serve this in this session? What are we going to do to demonstrate love, not just for one another, but with the people around us? So at the end of our community group, we prayed and asked God, God, would you guide us in what we should do as a group and the funny thing is right after that an idea popped up on how our group can show genuine practical love in a very specific situation with someone that we happen to all know who's not in our group and then the text trail started and you look at your phone you got 10 more you know it's because our group was chiming on specific things we can do to love, show genuine, practical, earthy, real love that will financially cost our group because we realize there's a real need that we are called to meet. And like, I'm giddy about it. I didn't even chime in because I didn't want to make text trail longer. But like, I'm like, I'm so giddy that God in his goodness is moving our little group, which is just one of many, from, from learning from Jesus to becoming like him in active love and, and doing what he said. Um, and we're going to learn together how to share the good news. Uh, the, in an increasingly secularized society, what the world needs more and more is not a new gimmick, not a new trick, not a new resource. Although so the resources are very helpful. It's people who embody the way of Jesus and aren't ashamed to talk about how great he is. And let me tell you, in your circle of influence, you have way more influence than any app or any movie or any book or even coming to any meeting. You have way more influence in the world than you think. And so what we want to do is we want to grow in helping you feel empowered that you know what God is like. You don't have answers to all the questions, but you know what God is like. You know how to share what God is doing in your life and soul. And most importantly, you know how to listen well. You've learned the art of listening to where people really are and stepping into their place where they really are and being with Jesus with them. And in God's goodness, he has a way of using your life and your lips to talk about how great he is. So the most compelling reason for someone to say, I'm following Jesus because John's following Jesus. Like, why am I following Jesus? Because this guy isn't. It seems to be revolutionizing his life. No, sorry, John, you're sitting like right in the middle. I had no, I had no choice, but I was going to say Karen, but then she would get mad. But um, (laughs) but I did anyway. And we have avenues of doing this as a church. We do. Uh, the larger events, good news today, we haven't done it during COVID, we do plan by God's grace to do it again at Hillsborough Stadium, to shout to the whole city, Jesus is alive and he's good and he's with you and for you. We do it in smaller settings like Alpha right now, where you can invite someone, one or two people to ask and answer questions. The point is, disciples are with him, become like him and do what he does. And in and, and different wording, we're saying the same thing as a church. Here's the point, and I'll repeat it Again any disciple to jesus can be used in any way that jesus desires this is the turning point and i pray that for you it's the the turning point to this next chapter of your story wherever you are that you'll you'll move from being satisfied with just being with jesus which is beautiful and important if we're not with him what are we going to share If he's not changing us, what do we have valuable to input in anyone else's life? If it's just a show in our life, why would we invite anyone to follow him? But what happens when you grow in your times with Jesus, not just you and Jesus, but in your groups together with Jesus, and in your one-on-ones with friends with Jesus, and in your conversations with Jesus people where you live and where you work, as that flourishes the evidence that you're really growing in God's grace is your love for other people who are far from him. Because that seems to be why Jesus came. And what we want to do is we want to take this next season of life and, and, and push each other towards that end. Does that make sense? So let me just let's start with the questions that are going to come up uh, this week, not the ones on your community group. But, um, but you may want to ask yourself, okay, if all that's true, I'm going to be with Jesus, become like him, and do what he does, what are the stumbling blocks right now to my growth? What are the stumbling blocks? We ought to ask that of ourselves. We ought to invite people into those kinds of conversations and get vulnerable with just a few people who are not gonna judge you and say, you know what, I would love to grow in my time with Jesus. I want to become like him more and more, and I want to represent him well, but these things are real. What's holding you back? What areas of obedience has Jesus invited you into that you're still resisting? Some of us want Jesus to give us a new word, and he's saying, I already gave you one, (laughs) and you still haven't done anything with it. Well, Jesus doesn't seem fresh and new because he's stuck on that last conversation saying, When you start to obey me here, then we can move on to the next thing. What are some areas of obedience? How are we going to grow closer to Jesus in the coming year? This is not a guilt trip. It's an actual invitation. And the invitation is not to more meetings. The invitation is to hear Jesus' word. It's better that I go. Because when the Spirit comes, all that I'm inviting you into is going to happen. And so I'm, I'm earnestly, I've been, we've been waiting for about a year and a half I've been praying and praying and praying to do this long conversation about how God's presence is real and here and and what the Holy Spirit, who he promised, who's God himself, is going to do in the life of a person, in the life of your community group, in the life of the church, in the life of the world. We want to spend time just opening the Bible and seeing what's for us so that we'll be with him and become like him and do what he said. So we're going to respond now, and um, we're going to respond in singing, which is appropriate. Because now that we've heard truth, now we can worship, and if if, if there's something going on in your soul, here's the invitation. As we're singing the songs, you can, because enough people are singing and the music's loud enough, you can just sing of, sing up your prayer to God. If there's something that's been burdening you, you can release that to God. If there's a challenge that you need His help on, you can release that to God. We're going to... Invite each other to pray for one another. So if you need prayer for anything, there's gonna be some friends at the back. We're gonna invite you to give. Do you know Jesus talked more about money than heaven and hell combined? Jesus knew the secret to a stalled faith life and a secret to the stalled faith life is hoarding. And a, a lack of dependence on God and a love of money, which is the root of all sorts of evil things money's fantastic but it's a terrible savior it's a terrible god and and so we're going to invite you to to give to god most of us do it on uh, our app or online there's uh, a bowl in the back where you could give if you like to give in in person but we're going to live generous lives faithfully giving why because we have to know because we get to god gave it all and they're saying now i want my mission to go forward and the way i am going to fund my mission Is through my people that I've been generous to. And we're going to invite you to baptism. So um, if you want prayer, go to the back. Just hear this one. Be real clear. If you want to be baptized in water this morning, just go straight to the tank, and one of our pastors will meet you there. Make sense? You guys are fantastic, by the way. And I look forward to the season of dynamic change, man. I think you're going to rapidly grow, not because of secret formula or curriculum, but time with Jesus with other people that's intentional is gonna reshape your world, I believe it. So when you stand on your feet and let's just pray and transition to this time of singing and giving and prayer and baptism. If anyone is ready, we wanna invite you to go there. Lord, thank you that you're stirring, you're moving. Uh, like you said earlier, it's in you. We live and move and have our very being. Now we wanna respond with hearts, mouths, wallets, lives that are worship-filled. God, because you've been generous to us, now we lay down everything, and we wanna pick up our cross and deny ourselves and follow you, King Jesus. So Holy Spirit of God, the things that are pressing in each life, will you make them clear? So every one of your servants, every one of your sons and daughters knows exactly what you're stirring them to do. Holy Spirit of God, I invite you to awaken their senses, their knower, to know what you're calling them to do next or to avoid. Thank you that you're so good, God, that you make this custom fit for everyone. And Lord, as we leave in a few minutes, we want to begin the work, continue the work that you're stirring us to do out in the world where you've placed us. We love you, King Jesus. And so we sing in your name.